This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, we are live from Lions training camp down here in Allen Park. And um, I had a chance to watch the team yesterday, first day of pads. I know that you were down here uh, this morning watching things as things develop. Uh, give us your initial impressions of what you see from uh, from the Lions so far. Well, it's finally real football, John, meaning the pads are on. This was my first time coming down here today, and uh, I just don't have much interest watching guys run around in shorts and T-shirts. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's hard to learn, uh, uh, you know, about the guys. It's hard to evaluate when the pads aren't on. But now, hey, look, pads are on. There's nowhere to hide. So uh, you're obviously looking for some of the position battles we talked about, you know, last week. Uh, linebacker group, it looked like early on, Anzalone and Derek Barnes are working together. Uh, looked like uh, Jared Davis and Malcolm Rodriguez working together a little bit. I think maybe not a surprise, but when we talked about the uh, quarterback position, the number two spot, uh, David Blau was getting some reps ahead of Tim Boyle there at the, with the twos. Now maybe that's something that they're probably rotating maybe each period, each period or each day who's going to run with the twos yeah. uh, having a competition like that. But um, I got to tell you, man, I think the uh, – Impressive thing, too, as we sit here on a Tuesday morning, you know, the crowd. Look at all these people out here. I mean, it's not just for the, uh, you know, the hard knocks trying to get on TV, trying to get on HBO. <laughs> guys are actually uh, excited about this team. So I think that's uh, that's something that definitely sticks out. The energy around here um, just feels very high, especially at this point of the season. Well, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot of buzz, not just locally, but nationally. And, yeah, hard knocks is here. We're going to get a chance to see that. First episode next Tuesday night, the ninth. Uh, you know the the buzz. It has no impact right now, but the fact that they are going to host the draft in a couple of years. There's just a lot of national love for the Detroit Lions, or at least I say not necessarily say love, but awareness of yeah. the fact that the Detroit Lions have not had a great season since 1957. They've only had one playoff win since 1957, and. As we start watching this year's iteration of the Detroit Lions, I, I do. You mentioned Alex Anzalone, uh, and we're, our initial impressions, especially with the fact that we're learning more about what this defense is going to be. If they're only going to be using two linebackers, that was a position battle you and I both identified over the last couple of weeks that to keep an eye on because they do have some newcomers. Uh, you know, and Jared Davis is back. But they've got Chris Board coming over from Baltimore, Malcolm Rodriguez, a draft pick, 
Uh, Sean Dion Hamilton, uh, uh, another guy, undrafted guy, Derek Barnes, as you mentioned. So there's a lot of bodies, and as we watch, you and I have kind of always not been that impressed with Alex Anzalone. Do you think he could be one of those veteran players that could, by the time training camp is over, the fact that they're only, for a large part, going to be using two linebackers, be a veteran that might be on the chopping block? Well, he could be. I mean, it's obviously uh, still pretty early to talk about, you know, maybe surprise cuts. Maybe a couple weeks from now we'll start to get a more clear picture. But, yeah, I think it all depends on, look, the, the, the development of Derek Barnes, right? And Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes are obviously a couple guys who have said in recent weeks that they're counting a lot on these year two guys they making that up. big step. Derek Barnes, you talk about maybe being the most important of that group uh, just because we saw flashes at times last year. We just didn't see the consistency. He's a guy that can come in and flash and, and throughout training camp in the preseason earn a spot. Uh, you combine that with maybe a guy like Jared Davis maybe making big improvements, and we've obviously all heard uh, the buzz around Malcolm Rodriguez as well. So if you have three young guys there that you're confident that can take over and, and be the leaders of your defense, I mean, look, that's that's kind of a scary thing when you talk about a veteran's point of view. So um, Anzalone, obviously the coaches love this guy. They coached him in, in New Orleans. They brought him over here. He was a captain last year. Uh, he's still a solid player, but – would I be surprised to see Derek Barnes, Jared Davis, Malcolm Murray, those type of guys outplay him? I don't think I would. So, you know, that's uh, that's definitely, as we talked about, you know, last show, that's the one position that I think a lot of us are going to be watching as this training camp and as this preseason develops. Yeah, Jared Davis, obviously his second go-around here in Detroit. Uh, we're going to get a chance to see athletically, uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily compare, but the production on the field, uh, Alex Anzalone, throughout their their his career has been more productive than Jared Davis has been but we'll get a chance to see how he fits uh into this defense and uh you know yesterday you mentioned it pads went on for the very first time we saw some highlights of Penny Sewell uh running over Jeff Okuda uh which I don't know if you ever had that <laughs> I know I know guards like to pull between the tackles tackles are the ones the athletes that get to uh, a chance to pull out and and try and block some of those uh, better athletes um, your impression so far of what you've seen from not just this offensive line, but really from Penny Sewell in year two of being, you know, switching from left to right, what have you seen from him so far? I, I think consistency. And, man, you talk about a name that has just been, you know, popping off the last couple days of, of pads. I mean, Penny Sewell seems to be at the top. There's a lot of people uh, impressed with, uh, the strides that he has made from year one to year two so far, right? The footwork, being more consistent uh, with the hand placement. We all know what kind of physical uh, specimen he yeah. is and can be. We saw it last year getting in the face of Aaron Donald, getting in the face of Jadavian Clowney. He's not a, he's not a guy that's going to back away from altercation. So uh, he's a guy, man, i got to tell you, uh, it, it, there's just a lot of buzz around him right now. And talking to a couple of the coaches earlier in the week, I mean, there's a lot of excitement. This guy can be – uh, I mean, he can look. Stay away from predictions, but he can be as good as he wants to be. And he's still thinking. I mean, John, he's 21 years old. Oh, I, know. I mean, so he's still crazy. only 21. He's not going to be 22, I think, until October, November. Just to think about, he's still a pup, man, and he's out there, and he looks like a 10-year veteran out there. And but, you know, going back to that. There's obviously been a lot of chatter about Aiden Hutchinson. Everybody's excited to see him. There was a couple clips that came out earlier in the week about, you know, one-on-ones and Panay Sewell getting the best of him. Look, that's only going to make Hutchinson better. We all had teammates that we played against that, 
you know, but the week sucked. I hated blocking guys like B.J. Raji and Mike Daniels. But by the time I got to Sunday, my job was so much easier because nobody I faced was really better than those guys that I felt. So that's going to that's gonna take Aiden Hutchinson a long way in his development. Yeah, when you get a chance to play against guys that have experience and they're, they're not going to give you every trick in the book. We talked to Frank Ragnow on the morning show yesterday, and, you know, he was talking about, you know, the development of Lee McNeil, of Levi Onzariki, and the conversations that he has with them. And, yeah, he's going to help them, but, you know, hey, you're still a competition out here. He's not going to tell them every trick in the book. Just, right. just, you know, yet that's some of those things you've got to learn throughout the course of training camp. And I, there's, there's a lot of things that we want to get to today, but the first thing that I, I want to ask you, and, and it kind of goes along with, you know, the talent level on this roster and the benefit of practicing against that talent. You and I have both had this experience. When I was at Michigan, I was playing against guys that I knew were going to be playing on Sundays. And then obviously when, when I was with the Redskins, had had teammates like Kennard Lang, Marco Coleman, um, you know, and you get a chance, you know, Jason Taylor later in his career. When you play against that level of competition, day in, day out, you mentioned it, Sundays become a relief. And you learn so much from those guys, especially, you know, even if they're not the top guys at their position anymore, but just the experience that they bring to a practice, how to practice, how to prepare, all of those different things. And you can hear the fans that are that are currently here watching the end of practice. But the, the base of this team, we know it's a team last year that started a, a full-on rebuild. They traded Matthew Stafford. They got three... You know, two first-round picks in return. They got Jared Goff in return. Um, and, and then, you know, last year they go out, they get Penny Sewell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown later in the draft, but he proved to be one of their better picks. We already talked about Derek Barnes, uh, Aleem McNeil, Levi Onzerike. Then you look at this year's draft, and we don't yet know what these players are going to be, but you've got on the defensive side of things, Aiden Hutchinson. Um, you know, we, we don't yet know what Josh Pascal is going to be because he you know, had that, that hernia surgery. Kirby Joseph in the secondary. There's a lot of talk about how excited they are with him and Malcolm Rodriguez. I mean, you're starting to develop a very good core of talented players. How, I mean, how does, much does that lend to the excitement? Not necessarily this year because there's still going to be a learning curve with obviously those guys that were drafted just this year. Yeah. But as Brad Holm continues to put these drafts together and then you start adding some pieces in free agency, that's got to lend it. That's got to be a big part of what we're hearing across the country of look out for the Lions. And whether it's this year or it's in 23, are you excited about the core group of guys that they're building? Yeah, I think you have to. And I think uh, it was interesting last week when Dan Campbell said, you know, he's talking a lot about that draft class from last year and the guys that are going into year two now, and he called a lot of those guys their core players, yeah. right? You don't really hear a coach say that about young players. You usually hear him say about the veteran-type guys. But when you really look at the roster, I mean, they, they are still pretty damn young team. Yeah. You know, their core is young guys, 24-, 25-year-olds. Uh, Panese will be in 21, like we mentioned. But it, I think it goes back to just trying to build this thing the right way, right, trying to build this thing – your way by meaning Brad Holmes putting your stamp on this team and this franchise. He's obviously had a proven, uh, you know, 
we don't know how much he was involved actually drafting the guys in the Rams, but the guys yeah. that did take, you know, the guys that you looked last year, like you mentioned, Sewell, Amon Ross St. Brown, the, the guy, you can tell that he's picking guys that he wants to fit this culture, to build this culture, to really start from scratch. Now, I know he said, you know, when you talked to him this morning, he said they didn't feel like they needed to start it from scratch, but building these young guys, I mean, that's that's how you develop a team. That's how you bring in and try to build your culture, right? So, um I'm excited. I mean, obviously, we're day two of bad, right. so it's hard to. It's really hard to tell which players are going to make a huge impact. Um, but it is when you have a good, healthy mix of, of veterans that are hungry to compete and still earn their job in the NFL. Uh, combine that with a group of hungry young players uh, that are just breaking into the league and trying to make a name for themselves. The, at the end of the day, it's all about competition. It's about making yourself better, making your teammates better, um, and just competing every single day. And that's what we've seen so far throughout throughout the start of training camp. And you made an interesting observation before you and I started talking here on the podcast that uh, about Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, and, again, we're not – sending anybody to the Hall of Fame, and we're not calling anybody a bust because this is day two yeah. of pads for a rookie season. What was the observation that you made? Well, I think, you know, the first thing was... Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. He was on the ground a few times, which... It doesn't tell you he's a bad athlete, but maybe it tells you maybe he's a little overhyped still on day two and he's kind of just, you know, loose cannon type, just running all over the place trying to make plays. Um, the other thing I, I saw was, you know, he's going against some pretty damn good tackles in Penesu and Taylor Decker. And uh, yeah, he 
couple times, and look, look, I'm glad you prefaced this. We're not trying to sound the alarms or anything, but he still had had trouble kind of getting off blocks, right? Guys getting in his chest, and he kind of had a hard time figuring out how to disengage. Now, that's obviously going to come with time. Like we said, it's only day two of pads, and you're going against two pretty damn good tackles. He's going to learn a lot from going against those type of guys. But those are just some observations that I saw early throughout this morning was, okay, you know, he's, he's got a lot of work to do. But that's why, you know, he was the number two pick because you know he's that type of guy that's going to put in the work. You know he's that type of guy that he's not going to let himself get frustrated and let his confidence go down. It's only going to make him work harder. So um, that's a battle, man. I'm telling you, that battle just between watching him and Sewell particularly, yeah. that's going to elevate both of their games to the next level. And, and I want to take those two conversations we just had and kind of marry them because I remember last year. Now, this was a position change for Penny Sewell, but I remember a few of my first observations was – and, and we heard people talk about, well, if you're a great left tackle, you should be able to move over to the other side. And the context of coming out of a right-handed stance as opposed to a left-handed stance, those steps, the body position, all of that is completely different. But there, I did make some observations early last year, very similar to what you made, that I thought Penny Sewell, for as good of an athlete that he was reported to have been, was on the ground too much. There were too many times where he was out of balance. Now, you you fast forward to this year, and I'm watching the film from yesterday's practice, and I'm watching a guy that has great body angle in regards to all the way from his ankles to his knees to his hips to his shoulders. It just looks like he was built to play the game of football. When he walks around, he's walking around with great balance. When he comes out of his stance, whether it's a two or a three-point stance, I see great balance. I see I see the ability to change directions, and it's smooth. It's not herky-jerky, the use of his hands. It's so much better this year because, one, he's much more comfortable in the system. He's much more comfortable in his surroundings. He's a year older, a year more developed. I also believe that same thing will hold true for Aiden Hutchinson when we talk about, hey, he's on the ground too much. This is day two of pads. I don't think that we're going to continue to see him laying on the ground as much as we have in these first two days. Some of that can also be, hey, he he's an effort guy. Yeah. Like, that's part of what his selling point to Dan Campbell, to this organization, why he was drafted number two overall, is that he's an effort guy. It's an effort in the meetings. It's an effort in the training room. But on, when you're on the field, it's an effort thing. And he's got to learn that, yeah, effort is what's going to make a lot of plays, but that effort can also get you in some trouble. It's it's not always, you know, work harder. It's sometimes it's simply work smarter. <laughs> yeah, and that obviously a lot of that comes with experience, right? Yeah. When you see it repetition after repetition after repetition, you start you, – you stop kind of biting on some of those play fakes, right? You start yeah. to read stances. You read keys, whatever it is, alignment from the offense, alignment tight end. That all comes with time. I don't expect him to come out on day two and – you don't know all of that because it's just look. You got to go through it. You got to you got to experience, right? And you got to learn from those experiences. But the other thing too, like Penesua last year, I remember. You know, he got tested week one, right? Yeah. Nick Bosa, San Francisco, one of the best edge rushers out there, and we're all watching and we're kind of breaking down. And you know, the footwork was a little sloppy, the hand placement was a little sloppy, right? But a lot of this for the the young players, and you just kind of mentioned Penesua and Aiden Hutchinson, put them in the same boat. These are guys that absolutely dominated in college, right? They didn't probably have to be as technically sound in college because they were bigger than everybody. They were faster than everybody. They were stronger than everybody. They could just run people over. 
you learn in the NFL. Now, sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but every rookie goes through it. You can't, you can't get away with that anymore, right? You're not – Panay Sewell and Taylor Decker aren't guys that you're just going to put your head in their chest and run them over. So it all, it all comes with experience. It all comes with developing, right? And that's what one thing with, uh, that we saw – so far from Panay Sewell last year, you talked about some of the technique stuff and some of the, you know, whatever, the body angles, how much they've improved. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be that guy. He's going to continue to improve as well because there's going to come a time where it clicks to say, I can't do what I did at Michigan anymore. These guys are just too damn good. I've yeah. got to change something up. And he's, you know, like you said, he's that effort type of guy. He's that confident guy that he's going to do that. He's going to get there. We just don't we, – look, he could come out tomorrow and – all of a sudden it could snap and yeah. be totally better. It could wait, you know, maybe week one. He could it's flip a switch. You never know what it's going to happen, but these players definitely learn at an early stage of their career that, you know, this is the NFL. It's a totally different ballgame. And that's the frustrating thing about rookies is no matter where you're drafted, no matter your potential, no matter your skill set, uh, a lot of times rookies have that up and down season, and it happens in practice. And that's where you've got you've to learn to be consistent at practice. That consistency in practice will translate to consistency in games. But the thing about rookies is, and I remember my rookie season, I would have a game where I thought, man, you know what, I, this, I've got it figured out. And then all of a sudden, next week, because it's a different opponent, it's a different scheme, it's a different setting, everything is different, all of a sudden it's like, God, do I even belong in the NFL? Because, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's the frustrating thing about being a competitor and, and trying to continue to improve. But... Um, you know, we got some injury injury updates that we want to get to in just a minute. Now, TJ, I mentioned there was a, you know some injury updates. We saw Quintus Cephas uh, earlier today get helped into the locker room. Lower body injury. We don't know yet what it is. Uh, Aleem McNeil, uh, in about the last half hour of practice, was slow getting up. Uh, but as we know from being young and the, and the, the benefit of youth, he was back at it uh, a few plays later. So we don't believe it's anything serious uh, for Aleem McNeil. And, and he's one of the guys that Frank talked about yesterday um, that he was flying around day one of pads. And the difference, you mentioned it, of, of evaluating. In OTAs, the only thing that you can evaluate is either how smart or dumb a guy is. <laughs> I mean, that's that's about it. Know, know how to line up. Know your assignment. Yeah, right. show up on time. You're not trying to overpower Be in the guys. right gear. Right. Yeah. Um, but and, and even early on in training camp, like it, it's really still only how smart or dumb a guy is. But when you get to the first day of pads, now that all changes because it's it's more NFL style football. It's not game speed. It's not playoff speed. And, and honestly, any of these guys probably wouldn't know what playoff speed was. But the evaluation of 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 the team. Pre-pads and post-pads. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it breaks down to two categories, right? I think uh, there's always the pre-snap, you know, alignment, assignment. Is the guy aligned in the right way, uh, you know, the right position? Does he know what he's doing, right? Is, <laughs> Go on the right snap He's count. supposed to slant here. Hey, we got a pressure coming from the right, you know. Hey, we got a pressure coming from the left. Whatever you're supposed to do. I think a lot of, like you said, OTAs, shorts, helmets, that's a lot of the time to really focus and concentrate on that because it's not so much about, being physically dominant but now when you put the pads on you've got to combine that with the other aspect which is actually doing your job right it's no longer just hey i'm in the right spot and i did the right thing by slanting you know inside or i did this and now you got to win now you got to beat your one-on-one guy you got to win that matchup so now it all comes down to how well can you 
put those two things together, right? Not only knowing what you're doing, knowing where you're supposed to align, but doing your job, right? Because that's the easy part. The easy part yeah. is, okay, I'm lined up here. I'm a three-tech. I'm slanting to the A-gap, right? Now i got to do it. Now i got to beat the guard. Now i got to beat the double team. Now i got to read my keys. Is it pass? Is it play action? Is it a run? Or, you know, what, what's going on? That's, those are all – that's all the next step in the progression when it comes to throwing pads on is now you just add in that extra physical element that – is going to make a lot of these guys either stand up, uh, you know, kind of stick out in a positive way. Yeah. And unfortunately, you see it every year. You're going to see guys that just kind of crumble when the pads come on. And that's why I said to start the show, I mean, I love coming out here in pads because there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere something. to hide anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I got to ask you this question before we go. Um, practice is just now ending as, as we're watching the team huddle up. Um, when we talk about Penny Sewell, we talk about Aiden Hutchinson. Um, you know, when you talk about guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, some young players that are still finding their way. You can try some new things in OTAs. You can even try some new things uh, when you, at the start of training camp. But you really never know if those new te- techniques will work until you get to the padded practices. How often... In, you know, in training camp, would you try new techniques? How often did you feel you had that, that latitude to try something new, knowing that it might be successful, but it also might be a, a gigantic failure? Yeah, quite often. And, but like you said, I mean, you always practice is the best time to try those, right? You don't want to do get in game and say, well, I think <laughs> I'm going to try this for the first new. time, yes. something that I've never tried before. Uh-huh. You, always, you always want to practice it. But also there's always that thing in the back of your mind where, look, I used to take one-on-one pass rush, right? And I'd say, okay. I'm going to work on a couple different sets here. If I get beat, whatever, I get beat. Yeah. But there's also that pride factor, especially when there's fans out at practice, and maybe you're trying something new and it doesn't yeah. work out and you get beat, and everybody's like, oh, he sucks. He just got his ass kicked. Yeah, you know, on that rest. Especially with so, Twitter now. As soon as it happens, yeah. it's out there. Oh, man, look and, at this. He's terrible. And that could kind of make you hesitate to say, well, maybe I don't want to try anything new because I just don't want to get beat, right? Yeah. And I don't want, you know, a bad evaluation on that rep or that drill or that period, whatever you're going through. But um, as a vet, I think it's much easier, you know, to go through those things and, and just to try some, whether it's a pass set, whether it's, hey, I want to do this with my hands, maybe I'm going to flash, maybe I'm going to punch, whatever you want to do. Practice is always the best time to do that. But you also have to understand at the end of the day, especially for young guys that are coming out here to compete for jobs, yeah. you have to be productive. So maybe it's not the best time to try something new if you're a young player because yeah. that could be the difference, maybe one one or two reps when the coaches and the you know Brad are sitting there evaluating practice, who gets the upper hand, hey, this guy lost one more rep than this guy did. A lot of times they don't care if you're trying something new. They just want to see you compete and do your job. So there's, there, I would say there's, there's definitely a fine balance, fine line that, that you have to try to balance that. Well, we're going to continue to bring you everything that happens down here at Allen Park at Lions Training Camp. Uh, throughout the course of training camp, leading in through the preseason games. And, TJ, I know you're super excited for that first preseason game. Oh, man, I've got to tell you, the hardest part is trying to memorize <laughs> 90 different guys. <laughs> I'm out here even today. 40 guys on each side are going to be there. Who's number five? Who's number this? Who's number this? Yeah. Not only do you have guys, you know, a ton of new guys, but you got guys changing. Like we said, Jeff Okuda's on his third number. It's like, who knows that number years. one out there, right? So yeah. there's a lot of homework that's got to go into it. But you know what? Just being back out here, smelling the grass, yep. hearing the pad spot. Although, you can't really hear the patch pop anymore with those giant pillows on their helmets, which is uh, which is a little bit different. But uh, it's kind of this is the first time I think this uh, summer for me where I'm like, hell yeah, it's football yeah. time. Let's go, man. So we're we're right around the corner, man. We got a week and a half until the first preseason game, and we know how quick that goes. And then uh, you know September will be here soon. They're going to be ready to roll into the season, man. But this is a 
this is a beautiful time of year. It is. We'll continue to, like I said, bring you the updates from Allen Park, Lions training camp. He's Lang. I'm Jansen on Necessary Roughness.